Well, that is Gospelite Anderson. Isn't that crazy? That's unbelievable. And uh, we are just absolutely pumped and thrilled that God would give us the opportunity to spin off of here from Gospelite in Hot Springs and have the opportunity to go there to Anderson, a place that I have lived for 10 years. And uh, this is the hometown of yours uh, now, yours, used to be mine, uh, Nathan and Danae. And so uh, just an incredible, incredible place. And we are so grateful that God allowed our relationship to be knitted to the heart and through a spirit of just cooperation to be able to just venture to do something like this. So this this Sunday, today, is the ninth Sunday, and already that's what's happening. And uh, and just to give you a quick update, unbelievable what God's doing. We already have now a negotiation going on, or we're talking uh, to a church that closed its doors. It's two, it was built in 2008. And so we're already looking to buy a church, a building. And so it's just unbelievable what God's doing. And so pray for us, okay? Continue to encourage us, pray. Your video was a hit. I mean, that was awesome. When you said that you loved us, they believed it. They believed it. And uh, see, down south, and when we say south, I mean, we are sort of in the bite, bu- the belt buckle of the Bible belt, if you will. Okay, so South Carolina, and everybody says that they love each other, but most of them don't believe it. So... Um, so I think they really got it from you all, and so that's great. But I appreciate the opportunity this morning. Uh, we are excited to be here. Uh, just this whole idea of Teen Revolution having its own Sunday and what God did on Friday night through your pastor and through the team, everybody that traveled that came and just uh, uh, kind of really put all their heart and soul into it this weekend as they practice and as they're anticipating for this summer. It's just incredible what God is doing in and through Teen Revolution. And so just to be a part of that, just to be a small part of it is just uh, what a privilege, what an honor. So I am so thankful, so thankful to be here this morning. Thank you, Pastor, for believing in us, giving us the opportunity. And this morning we came prepared, all right? So we came to, to really encourage you and help you and to try to transfer this burden and this desire. And hopefully my anticipation this morning, my purpose and my plan is to be able to sort of unfold and unpack a bit of a, uh, I guess, vision, if you will, uh, as me, I'm not the one that started Team Revolution. We came alongside, but as a youth pastor of 15 years that wasn't doing it just as a, a flight or a flyby, uh, this wasn't a stepping stone for me. I would have told you a year ago, I will never pastor. I have learned to never say never, all right? So uh, God just sort of uh, thrusted me into this thing, but I still am crazy in love with young people in this generation. Cannot wait to see what God's going to do. And so as this sort of has become now part of my life, Teen Revolution, these young people, I'm now as a pastor, as a senior pastor, taking on even more responsibility, even with uh, sort of ownership, and then at the same time, influence. Influence that we can make a bigger impact for the cause of Christ. And so this morning, uh, as, a, as a youth pastor of 15 years, as a preacher of the gospel, but as someone that truly, I believe, and this is not braggadocious, I feel like I have my finger on the pulse of what's going on right now with young people in America. There's not a day goes by during the week, during those Monday through Friday, that I'm not at a local public high school or middle school. I serve as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Director for Anderson County. And so I'm rubbing shoulders with college coaches, 
high school coaches, uh, athletes, non-athletes, doing high school huddles, middle school huddles, doing individual huddles. Just the other week, I got a chance to speak at Converse College, which is an all-girls school that is absolutely 100% against everything with anything to do with Christ. They're against it completely. And we got a chance to go in there and we went in the gym with the coach and the girls basketball team and their friends and people that they invited and had this awesome first session that we've ever had on that campus. And about 60 some people showed up and six young ladies in college gave their life to Christ. So it's just incredible. Yes. And so unbelievable to see God's up to something. He's doing some big things. It's up to us to see it. And so this morning, can I be a blessing to you? I came all the way from South Carolina. You all are a huge blessing to me, but I want to help you this morning and help you to see some things. Uh, I'm going to start this morning by just giving you sort of a a bit of a simple synopsis of my 15 years as a youth pastor. This particular uh, phrase that has now become what I've heard so many times has been one of these resonating things in my mind that has just almost haunted me at times. Will somebody help my child? I'm not going to embarrass anybody this morning, and I sure wouldn't want to be disrespectful to you, your family, but how many would say this this morning that whether it be directly with your children, indirectly, maybe even with grandchildren, somewhere along the line in your life you have experienced uh, there's been a young person related to you or within first or second degree separation, but you've experienced rebellion in their life. Look around. Now look around. Hold it up. All right, hold it up. All right, so rebellion. All right, so we get this, right? We're, we're getting ready to go somewhere. How many have ever had a young person or you know somebody that were was completely in church, but then went an about face and went 100, to 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction? Now, right now, as you sit on this pew as you're sitting here at this church, how many would say, I know of somebody right now, preacher, I know somebody right now that is heavy on my heart because they are running the opposite direction. Now watch this. Somebody, somebody has got to care for them. And even though there could be a mother and father that have prayed, and there could be friends and family that truly do care, there comes a place of desperation that the parents come and say, well, somebody help my child. Let me tell you a quick story. Chad Gamble, Geneseo, Illinois. Some of you may know the Cobernots. The Cobernots was a really awesome family that actually he just recently passed. Well, he took my father's church in Geneseo, Illinois. My dad, I lived in, we live, we're from Kingsport, Tennessee, but my dad, he went to Liberty University and I was born in Lynchburg, Virginia. He moved from Lynchburg, Virginia. My dad did something crazy as a ministerial student. He closed his eyes and, and I still don't understand why he did this, but he closed his eyes and he said, Lord, where do you want me to go and start a church? He closed his eyes and his finger landed on North Dakota. For 13 years, I lived in North Dakota. My dad planted three churches. All right, crazy about this, I'm a second generation church planter, didn't even realize it. 
for 13 years, I lived in North Dakota. We moved. We went to Geneseo, Illinois. My dad took First Baptist to Geneseo. And while my father was there, I rebelled on God. Saved at an early age. Loved by an incredible family. Surrounded with people that cared. There are people still there. Actually, there's a young lady that goes to Champion and her father and mother were our youth leaders when we were in Geneseo. How crazy is that? And she goes champion. And so uh, we had all the right surroundings, but I went against God. Now, my parents at the time recognized that I was going the wrong direction, recognized that a rebellion had done set place at the gamble house. My dad, as a rebellious young person, had run away from God, saw all these things sort of coming to pass. Uh, you ever look at that kind of situation and say, I reaped what I've sowed? And so he looked at Chad Gamble, he looked at his son, he said, man, here I go. I I'm getting ready to reap what I sow. But my dad decided to do something unusual and different. He decided to declare an emergency in his family's life. He did something very few preachers would ever do. He got up from the pulpit of his church. He resigned his position as pastor in order to do one thing, and that was to do at all costs, save my life. See, what I was doing is I was going 100 miles an hour and I was being self-destructive. I was getting in trouble. I was getting arrested. I was in all kinds of a mess. And all my father and my mother wanted to see was that God would do something incredible in my life. And they did the ultimate sacrifice, left a town they loved, a church they loved, a home they loved, and they packed up. And guess where we moved of all places? We moved to Walkertown, North Carolina. Guess where my, my parents took me out of a, a public school and they put me in a Christian school and they put me into Gospelite Christian School in Walkertown, North Carolina. Steve Robertson was my youth pastor and my coach. Man, I was mad. I had two options though. I was probably either going to go to a boy's home or I was going to go to a Christian school and I'm like, there's girls at a Christian school. That was a no-brainer. So, man, I'm in. And so we ended up there. And while there, there were people that invested in my life, but my parents, my mom worked two jobs, my dad worked two jobs, miserable being out of the ministry, but God restored our family. And God reached down because of the prayers and the fasting and the love. And all of a sudden, God ripped me out of all that mess. Listen, my eyes got fixated back on the cross. Our, our school decided not to go on a big a senior trip. They took me to the wilds. I heard Tom Farrell preach. And on my senior year, listen to Tom Farrell preach at the wilds in North Carolina. God got my attention. I said, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I don't, I don't know what I'm even feeling. But Lord, here you go. You can have it all. I ended up going to a Bible college just to play basketball. My second year at Bible college just to play basketball. God calls me to preach. He flips my life upside down, inside out. Listen, literally got called to preach on a Thursday. I was preaching in the prison systems in Knoxville, Tennessee on Sunday and preached there for four years. God has a way of loving a generation through people. But it takes somebody now watch me. It takes somebody. 
It takes somebody in this room to say, hey, I believe in what this church is doing. I believe in where this movement is going. I believe in the fact that Teen Revolution is more than a conference. It's more than just something that is going to draw young people and entertain them for a week. But it will be a life-changing experience to allow a young person that may be going a thousand miles an hour in the opposite direction and open up its arms with love and with admonition and say, hey, we love you. We don't care what you've done because we believe in where you're going. We believe in a God that loves you. We believe in a God that does save. We believe a God that does forgive. We believe in a God that does change lives. And we will love you. Now watch this. But how many people along the line have brought their kids and say, will somebody help my child? You ever been there? Moms, dads, you ever been in the place, but yet there's a sense of pride that you don't want anybody to know because you're supposed to get it, right? You read the books. You don't want it to look bad on your own, your own parents that raised you so right. And listen, parents, listen to this preacher. At best, you're guessing how to be a parent. And what's so sad is, is in the teenagers, the young people growing up, they hold parents to such this high standard that there was zero room for error. Right? So you have conflict in the home. You literally have what we are calling a time bomb every single day. You don't know how it's going to blow up. And if you've got a good home, you better thank Almighty God for that presence of his, of his goodness on you. Because I'm telling you, on average, the homes that have young people that are teenagers, they are ticking time bombs. It's misery. It's a fight every day about clothes. It's a fight every day about where they're going. It's rebellion in the home. I'm telling you, it's a struggle. And the battlefield is real. This morning, I'm going to read a portion of Scripture. And I'm going to relate this particular portion of Scripture to where we live in. All right? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, listen, it is time. Now, listen, listen, it is time that we started listening up to the problems around us. It is high time the church stopped acting like an ostrich, putting its head in the sand and hoping the problem is going to go away. It is high time that I don't care what age you are. Listen, if you have entered into them golden 50s and 60s and 70s, this is where you roll up the sleeves. You thank God for the life you've been given. And you say, it is time to get refired. It is time to make a difference. And I'm going to pray for the power of God to fall in a generation because I want to see him do it again. And it may be for your grandbabies. It may be for your great-grandbabies. It may be for your neighbor. But I promise you right now, there could be a young man in this place this morning that can turn this world upside down. And it may take you to make it happen. There was a man that had a son. And his son didn't turn out the way he wanted him to. I got an 11-month-old daughter. She has flipped my world upside down. I have been away from home all kinds of times. I have never felt so weird than I do now because I miss that little munchkin. She's, I'm telling you, she's just flipped me. I'm, I kiss her face off. I can't imagine the world she's going to live in. A, a child does something to you. Listen, imagine if you will, parent, grandparent, that precious little child and all that you dreamed it would be. 
I cannot sing with a flip. She probably knows that because I was singing and I was awful. Listen, I am praying now for my little girl to sing like Carrie Job. Number one, I want to make some money. Number two, no, no, number one, really, I want her to sing into my soul. And I pray over that little girl. My wife and I both, we are praying that God anoints her with a a God-given ability or talent that she can use for him. You know, it does something to you when you see the hopes of what her future holds. But what happens when all that changes? Man, I can't even imagine. I said it this morning, and I can't imagine my little girl getting 12, 13 years old, experiencing a rebellion like I did and running. I don't know. I don't even, I can't even imagine. It's not what I hope for. Listen to this story. Mark chapter 14, excuse me, Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. Listen to this story of a father's hopes dashed, but a God that restores through his son Jesus. Mark chapter 9 and verse 14, the Bible says this, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he, t- he taketh him, he teareth away and foameth and gnasheth and his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to the disciples that they should be, that, listen, they should cast him out. That they, he's talking to the disciples now. He said, I want you all to cast out this demon. But they couldn't do it. Verse 19, he answereth them and he says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when they had saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, and he wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago that this came into him? And he said, of a child. Now, I don't know. The Bible does not say. We know that this is, he, he probably wasn't a child at this moment. I'm imagining that this was a teenager. I'm imagining that this, this father has now dealt with this particular demon, if you will, this, this, this spirit that has embodied his son. I can only imagine how long that's happened, but it's enough to have recorded that his behavior was that of repetitive nature kept happening. So he brings his child before Jesus in verse 22, and oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything... He's coming to the Lord. He's saying, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I cannot begin to tell you how many times I've had parents come to me, come to our office, and say, please help me. Will somebody help my child? Verse 23. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Incredible, powerful verse, verse 24. And straightway, the father of the child, he cries out. He cries out, and here's what he said. He said, Lord, I believe, but what? Help thou mine unbelief. 
you know, I'm going to stop right there for a second. Church, uh, listen to this preacher. We are believers. We're here this morning believing. But we collectively need to get our heads out of the sand and just be straight up and honest. That when we think about a true movement and we think about something major happening, we are the biggest doubting people you can find. Thank you. That's exactly right. And, and, and by the way, I, I don't know quite who I'm speaking to this morning, which gives me greater opportunity to be candid and, and to be able to just be so free in what I say, to be able to tell you on average the places I go speak, the friends I have in ministry, they really compass a church body, an entire body of believers that are literally putting their head in the sand, pretending like there's no problem, pretending like our young people are okay, and they sit on the back, they play with their phones, they're messing around, they're goofing off with everything that is of God, and we don't take it any more serious than whether they got a cold or not, and I'm going to tell you right now, it is high time that God's people started declaring a victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and circling our young people, and circling this generation, and saying, Adam, all costs, Lord. We want to protect them. We want to love them. We want to see you do something incredible with them. We need missionaries. We need preachers. We need young people going into their public high schools, making a difference. We need moms and dads going in there and not allowing the status quo of what is going on in our public school system. You've got a voice. You've got to say so. You can make something happen. And hear this father. He cries out to God. Lord, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. I want to believe that you can. But I am struggling thinking that you will. We have Teen Revolution rallies and we have Teen Revolution meetings. Two now, one in Hot Springs, one in, in Pigeon Forge. And we have hundreds, if not thousands, on, on over all the, the campuses, all the places that we will meet, that young people will come. I can't imagine how many students will walk into that place. And although we see their face, there's so much more to the story. There's so much more to their life because there's struggles. There's issues with moms. There's issues with dads. There's abuse. And they are looking for help. And it's so much more than just getting up and singing a song, preaching a message. It should be a begging, pleading with God, Lord. I may not believe everything you can do, but I am begging you, Lord Jesus, would you please touch these young people? Keep them out of the fire. Oh, God, I can't imagine who was praying for me. I shouldn't be here tonight. The times I was in car accidents, the things that were going on in my life, the chastening of the Lord. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Through God's goodness comes repentance. He brought me to a place I pulled over my car. I finally got done running. And listen, not like the, the song from Casting Crowns where, where it's this young lady under a steeple and nobody sees her. People saw me, but I just kept running. But there was a God in heaven that never stopped pursuing. And he never stopped loving. And there were people that did, just like my parents, that cried out to God, Lord, I don't know if you ever can, but please do. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what was wrong with me. What mattered was it was people that cared for me. Back years ago, just in, it's just so weird how God just orchestrated so many things. I, I, was, I, I came across Brother Eric Capaci at a meeting and he preached a message, if not you, who? Remember that one? 
So in my office for years, before you probably ever even knew me, I had a little cardboard piece of paper that said, if not you, who? And I had, my, when my teenagers graduated, they, they've seen it. Uh, Danae's seen it. They've seen it. When you came into my office, you saw a picture of our kids that had graduated and gave us their graduation picture. And their picture was up there that we continued to pray for them. Because just because they graduated out of the youth group doesn't mean it was over. And if not me, then who? Somebody's got to stand in the gap and make up a hedge and pray that God would send a Holy Ghost revival to a generation and shake this world upside down. And it may not be you, mama. It may not be you, daddy. But it could be your daughter. It could be your son. And they need the spirit of God and a hedge of protection prayed about them that they can turn this world on fire for God. We find that there was three things we draw from here. Number one, if you have your worship guide and you want to follow along with us, take it out and fill in these blanks. Number one, the problem is real. You better believe the problem is real. And I don't care what denomination you are in. I don't care where you live. I don't care what, what place that you're living. By the way, it, this goes across spectrum of, of how much money you have, what class you live in. And it doesn't matter. It is no respecter of person. There are problems that are real. Young people addicted. I'm talking about major addictions that counseling isn't touching. Our world has yet to see reformers unanimous. They have got out statistics, a lot of other addiction programs, uh, recovery, all these different things. They are putting out statistics that will boggle your mind. Our, watch this now. America has yet to see the true outcome of the pornography movement. We are still living in the cesspool. We're still bathing in the, in the provocative nature of our anonymity of sitting behind a computer, vegetating and eating and, and just digesting this wicked world that can only be depicted as demonic in every way. It's destroying homes. It's destroying husbands. It's destroying churches. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are young people that are addicted and they can't get help. They can't go to daddy because he's doing it. They can't, they can't go to mama because she thinks everybody does it. Well, it's high time we declare an emergency and we say there's a problem. Young ladies looking at themselves in the mirror, they can't stand. They can't stand what they see. Say, time out, wait a minute. We live in a selfie world. We live in a selfie society. Oh, yeah. You know why? Because we're trying to prove to everybody else what we don't think about ourselves. See, psychologically, what we'll do is we'll take about, about 50,000 selfies and what we're trying to do is tell everybody else that we're okay with us, but we're not. Time out, parentheses, let me give you some real good truth that'll live right there where you're at. It'll practice where you are. It's more than just preaching, it's practicality. You know why we are struggling as the body of Christ in the church? Because he told us to do two things. Number one, he says, love your neighbor. But he says, love your neighbor as yourself. You know why you don't love your neighbor? You know why you won't go out of your house? You know why you won't knock on their door? You know why your neighbor's not in this church? Because you don't even love yourself. 
And we got a generation growing up that can't even stand themselves. That's why they are in a disconnected generation. They're all about social media. They want to know everything about each other for comparison purposes only. And the problem is they're comparing themselves to the Kardashians and all the other crazies in the world instead of comparing themselves to somebody out of the Bible or a godly example or somebody that's going to make a difference for eternity in their life. And I'm going to tell you right now, we've missed the mark. We're telling kids, are you, oh, you're like this one. We're teaching them the great commandment. Excuse me. We're teaching them the great commission before we ever teach them the great commandment. We say, go, 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 go. We want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel until we preach them the commandment that they should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and to love their neighbor as herself. They better fall in love with God. And along the way, they'll see somebody on the reflection of the mirror. Listen, I'm tired of girls looking in the mirror and feeling, in, it's, it, they, they feel insufficient. They feel inferior. They look at themselves. They have to cut. They have to just somehow get it all out. They have to eat and then regurgitate. They go through all these functions instead of being beautifully and wonderfully made in God's side and somebody comes alongside him. And by the way, there shouldn't be a teenager at this place that doesn't have somebody, and I'm talking about in a wholesome and a sister and a brotherly way and the right kind of way, a father way to go up to a young lady and say, you are beautiful, you are gorgeous, you are wonderful in God's eyes, you are beautifully made. Hey, listen, don't you ever change. I love what you're doing. Hey, keep going. You need to be the biggest encourager to these young people. Because half the time, they can't live up to nothing because everybody else is down on them. Number one, rebellion. We got a rebellious generation. We know what that is. Rebellion is as a spirit of what? Witchcraft. It's demonic. Straight up, be honest. Let's go ahead and just go into AA this morning, all right? I don't know. Not Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, just Sinners Anonymous. How many be honest and say, I rebelled on God? For some time in my life, I rebelled on God. Be honest. Look around. We in good company. Sad part is, we did it. Some of us bear the scars. We bear the, the hurt, the pain, mistakes, the tattoos, and all the bad memories of the direction we went when we went away from God. The problem is real in the matter of rebellion, whether you want to admit it or not. Whether you want to see your child for what she is or she isn't. Well, ready? Well, he's not as bad as so-and-so. Right? Well, she ain't quite as bad as so-and-so. You can always find somebody worse. Right? Next one, look at this. Religion, write this one down. Time out, Brother Chad. Now listen, I'm going to put my foot down. I agree with what you're saying this morning. Religion ain't no problem, is it? You're going to teach your kids to do A, B, and C so they can be D? You're going to try to make some sort of a progressive religion that all they're going to do is, all you got to do is go to church, tithe, do this, do this, go all these steps, and then not have a relationship with God? Religion has made, oh, watch this, religion has made nothing but a bunch of religious people that have no relationship. 
And listen, we can talk the talk. We can, we can, yeah, come on. We can, we can talk the talk. We can even walk the walk. But I'm going to tell you when the rubber meets the road, when the hard days come, when the problems start rising up, listen, here's where the fair weather Christians get out of church. This is where they split churches. This is where they got problems because they're so religious. See, if it doesn't go their way, if it doesn't fall in their way, by the way, change is what happens in the Christian's life. Are you hearing me? I know I'm facing it for the first time. Senior pastor shoes are not hard to fill. And I got folks that I love and elderly people that I love that said, listen, I just can't handle change. And I said, I can't handle the fact that you're going to have to leave. But the fact of the matter is that there comes a point that you realize that when God begins to work on your life, change happens and change is good. Rebellion, religion, religion is killing us. It's killing us. I'm going to sit right here by your son and I'm going to say amen to myself. Religion is killing us. Amen. I am, I am, I am, I'm, I'm completely 100% a product of failed religion. I did all the things I supposed to do. I went to the Christian college. I combed my hair when I had it a certain way. I wore a certain thing. I acted a certain way. Empty, without God, no relationship. And it took a breaking. It took a baptizing in anguish for me to see that I did not need all the religion. I needed a relationship. I met him. I saw him. He loved me. I cried out to him. And he took care of me. Now watch this. So not only is the rebellion the problem, and we better identify, but we see that, that truly the religion is the problem, and it's a relationship, and then finally the root. He'll say, what is the root? You've got to dig deeper than what's on the surface. When you see your kid acting up, don't just say, well, oh, Johnny's, he, he's ADHD. Well, happy day, I am too. I just never got diagnosed. I know your preacher's got to be. He just never got diagnosed. Thank God we grew up and not have diagnosis. We're off medication. We're just fanatical and crazy about Jesus and can't focus for five minutes. But the truth of the matter is, watch this. We have got to get to the root. Boys and girls, the root of the problem is the heart. Heart. You take your Bible right now, you close it, and you open it up. You literally don't even have to work at it. Close your eyes, open it up in the middle, and it'll fall in Psalms and Proverbs. Psalms and Proverbs is in the heart of the Bible because it deals with the heart issues of life. And all throughout Psalms and Proverbs, it's going to talk about where your problem lies. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to God's word. Hey, listen, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Watch this. Everything has to do with the heart. And you know what we're trying to do? Diagnose every problem we have because of somebody else. Yeah, his daddy wasn't in his life. Now, that's real stuff. But you can't blame his future on what his daddy did in his past. There are generational sins that we are going to pray. Are you hearing me? We're going to pray that God is going to touch a generation and let them break generational sins, that they can be victorious, set free from addiction, and it's going to take God's people saying, we can. Oh, yes, we can. Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. The problem is real. In rebellion, in religion, in the root. Number two, look at this. I'm going to give you something in just a second to feel. Okay, we're there. I'm going to go back and then we're going to fill this in. 
When you treat families as collaborators and not recipients of care. Now this is going to be empowering. Listen. When you treat families as collaborators and not recipients. See, when they come to church or they go for help, what they do is they just receive instead of collaborate and really work. You empower them, you educate them, and you enhance their ability to raise healthy children in a healthy environment. What we're preaching on this morning has even more to do than the young person sitting in the pew. It has to do with the parents at home. Every kid that comes on a bus represents a family that needs to be reached. You get the father, you get the family. There's fathers that need to be reached. There are mothers that need to be reached. There are families that need to be reached. Why are the families being destroyed? Because Satan knows if he got the family, he's going to get them kids. And it is high time that we start. By the way, if you've experienced any measure of what we would coin as success, which we have to be very, very careful ever to call ourselves successful in raising children. But if you have been blessed with having good children or you have a good working relationship with your, your husband and wife and you got some good things, it is high time that you started investing in somebody else. It's high time that you saw somebody else and you said, you know what, I want to encourage them. I want to start a life group. I want to be able to have people come into our home and encourage the home and encourage these young people. And we need to start praying. Listen, there needs to be some times and there needs to be some places that folks in this church gather together and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to clear off a place. We're going to get some names of some young people. We're going to pray over Team Revolution. And we're going to begin to ask the Lord to do what the second thing is. Number two. The promise to revive. See, in verse 24, look at this. And straightway the father of the child, he cries out, and here's what he says, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. You think he was real? Well, you better believe it. You know why? Because his son's problem was real. His prayer was real, and he cried out to God, and then number two, he requested something from him. Lord, I believe. I believe. That wasn't a request. But what was his request? Help that, what, what's that word help? Help! Why are we so afraid to ask for help? The other day I was out on the lake, we live right near Lake Hartwell, and there was all these people in a boat, and I'm telling you, we, we had just got on the boat, we had just took off, and we look over, and all these people are, ah! I mean, screaming, you know, and, uh, and, and so my wife and I, we pulled over there, and, and this one, this little girl, she on the boat, she's like, Help! She's screaming to the top of her lungs. That was a big deal to them. Their boat had stopped in the middle of the water. They were stranded. They were asking for help. They couldn't fix it themselves. They did not know. Watch this. Maybe you won't get to. They did not know me. But yet they asked me for help. They did not know my background, but yet they asked me for help. They had no idea if I could even provide the help, but they asked for help. And it is high time that we said, we don't got it. If there are young people leaving this church and going out in the world, I, I don't, listen, if it's just one, we need to begin to beg God for help and say, we're, we need you, Lord. We're begging for you, Lord. Not this one. Lord, not this one. We don't want to see one young person go aside. And then watch this, it was restored. Can I share something with you? And I want you to listen very closely. 
Not a profound statement, but a man that said it was a profound man. Abraham Lincoln said this. What we're so doing is we're trying to create programs and we're trying to create ministries and we're missing what the program and the ministry is all about. And that's the person in the ministry. And that's the heart of the person in the program. Now I want you to listen to this, this is what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, if you gave me six hours to cut down a tree, I would spend the first four sharpening the axe. If you gave me six hours to cut down a tree, I would spend the first four sharpening the axe. What's that got to do with anything? We, as God's people, instead of spending all six hours trying to do all this elaborate stuff, need to spend the first four praying and asking God to make us sharp, to make our efforts work, to have the empowerment of God. Listen, if we spend eight hours... This is good. If we're going to spend eight hours practicing a song, then we need to spend a lot of time in prayer that those songs go further than just, poof, hit the roof. It needs to hit the heart. By the way, clear off the spot, oh me, hard practicing and easy preaching. Well, see, we live in such a convenient world. We want the convenience of everything that happens. We know God can, but help thou mine unbelief that he can quickly we'll hasten and use this last point number three the most powerful and now as we draw a conclusion to this in verse 29 the bible says and he said unto them this kind because the disciples come to him and here's what they said why could we not cast him out you ever ask that say why pastor capacey i just don't understand i put my kids in christian school man i had them here every single time the doors were open why, why can't I have a kid that turns out? Why can't I have a kid like you? Here's what he says. Look there. This kind can only happen through two things. Prayer and fasting. So look at this. The prayer is required. These three things follow for those on there. It's recognized. They recognize the problem. They recognize the solution. Number two... It's refreshed. By the way, there's not a person in here that doesn't pray. You know, non-religious people pray. Let me tell you what. People that don't even believe in God can go into moments that they will pray. Three. It was rewarded. What happened in the story? This young man was touched by God Almighty. It was proven in the fact that the disciples saw the proof. It was recognized. It was refreshed. It was rewarded. But prayer was required. You pray for your kids today? You pray for your grandkids today? We all about revolution. By the way, I'm in. I mean, I'm in like Flynn with skin. I'm all in. And I'm telling you this morning. That maybe when you see that revolution, maybe you'll think about the problem that's real. Maybe you're going to look at it and say, oh, wow. There are going to be teenagers by their, by their droves that need help. And I'm going to pray for an anointing. I'm going to pray that God anoints that thing. 
young people's lives are changed. Lord, I believe, I believe he wants to send a revival, but Lord, I'm having a hard time believing it's going to start here. Hey, Gospelite, Arkansas, uh, a little reflection of me, Gospelite Anderson, how about we just declare, God, don't do anything without us. We want you to start right here, right in this place, and we want you to send a revival out of this place. And, and absolutely blaze America. Lights popping up all over the place. This church is popping up. Listen, if you love this church and this church is refreshing to you and this is, this is your Hebron, your place of refuge and your place of rest, there's a lot of other people just like you that needs it and there needs to be people that pray for it and say, you know what? We need this to happen and we can declare victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by coming and saying, Lord, help my child. Lord, help my church. Lord, help me. It's high time some of you fellas, man, you got the shoulders to carry these burdens. Say, I'm going to man up and pray for my wife and pray for my family and pray for my church and pray that God does something incredible through the next generation. There may be some 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds and even 70-year-olds that say, my generation has passed, but I'm going to deposit one more time. I'm going to deposit one more time and pray some prayer. I believe today there are things happening because of the prayers of God's people, the saints of old that prayed prayers that God's still answering today. But you won't pray. It's not going to happen of this kind without prayer and fasting. What about taking one meal out of the week to pray for King Revolution? Would you do that? What about taking one meal out of the week to say, you know what, I'm not going to Chick-fil-A. I'm not going out to eat. I'm not even, listen, no food. Maybe, watch this, you are so used to picking up your phone so often that you're going to say, one day, I, I'm, I'm leaving that phone at the house because I don't, every time I, I go to go pick up my phone, I'm going to say, Lord, you'd pray all day long, wouldn't you? Because we constantly on our phone. But what if we just took one moment out of our life, oh, how inconvenient, right? Oh, poor us. What if we just got serious? Can I be that little spiritual cheerleader when I don't have to wear the dress and shave my legs? Can I be the spiritual cheerleader this morning and say, let's rise up, church? Is that okay? Can I do that? Can I come and say, it is high time as we partner together and we agree as something touching this earth that we are not going to let another generation get away from God and we are going to declare a true victory. I'm not talking about a victory, a true victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that will hit your schools and will hit your teachers and will hit your campuses and we will make a difference before Jesus comes back. Even so, come Lord Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed. As we end out here this morning.